Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Performance Anxiety, everybody. This week, I'm joined by Matt Wilson of Matt Wilson and his orchestra. He tells me all about meeting up with his orchestra, how he writes for the harp, and why there are no drums. We also go deeper. Matt tells me about the time he and his brother Dan of Semisonic found a record that his dad had made, which surprised everybody. Following his brother Harvard and being in Conan O'Brien's class and forming the band Trip Shakespeare. What's behind that name, by the way? And what's his connection to MST3K, also known as Mystery Science Theater 3000? Go to MinneapolisMatt.com to get the new album and find all the social media links. Follow us at PerformanceANX.com. And let's get into Matt Wilson of Matt Wilson and his orchestra. You're Mark Shea. I'm Matt Wilson. We're talking on performance anxiety. Well, thank you for, for doing this. This is awesome. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure, of course. Uh, I got a chance to listen to the new album. And uh, before we get too deep into that, I want to know more about how you got into music and, and how you started your career. So you're from <clears throat> Minnesota. Uh, you are born in St. Louis Park? Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so so was it a musical family? Um, I know you and your brother, Dan, uh, are all are both professional musicians, have been for a long time, but were your parents really into music, and uh, did they start you out playing instruments at a young age or anything? Um, well, the, uh, my, my dad, we kind of discovered, he, he, my dad's um, a pretty uh, nerdy guy, uh, doctor, very serious. Okay. Um, but at some point, uh, we discovered a, um, a record that he had made uh, when he was in high school with four, uh, three other people. Oh wow! And it was called the Four Lords, which oh, is that's, such a great name. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and he's but he's um, he was just a very serious guy, and um, he had this one really sexy part in the middle of this song called Shaboom, where he's like, "Every time I look at you, you know, it's really yes, that's a great song." Now every time. Yeah, yeah, it is. It was really great, and their version was really good too. Um, you know, it's just like one of those things where they just 
wow. we had a piano player and three guys and they just went in and you know like put it down to uh you know some kind of record straight to a record also like kind of like a uh, jack white does at third man right now you can go into a booth and record yeah straight yeah. to vinyl straight to vinyl yeah that's what they did that is so awesome. anyway that so that's that's our little musical connection but um really we had i think about nine lps in our house and like <laughs> three of them were corny christmas albums you know oh man don't say ray conniff because i love ray conniff that's not no, corny. no. I, I, every <laughs> single one of those, of course, I cherished all those records. They all were, uh, you know, source of huge mystery and oh, wonder yeah. to me. But uh, Dan and I were, were really the only ones. And in a way, Dan um, is two years older than me, and I just followed him around, you know, okay. all the time. And he was he was the one who was into it, and I just kind of did what Dan did because he was the older brother, and you know, and and turned out great you know yeah. i'm so glad so glad he led us in the direction of music so did you start off on guitar piano and, and how old were you when you started well we uh we i have a sister too and we all took piano but dan was kind of the only one that really took off with piano he was a kind of a, had this kind of true musician depth to his talent okay um and so i kind of dropped out of that and then when uh it came time to like in school they asked you to pick a instrument for it to play in the band, you know? Yep. And so that was in fifth grade. So I was about 11 and I chose the drums and uh, wow. I'm so glad I chose the drums. You know, I just had this sense that it was the only one that was cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> out of those the instruments you could choose from. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's the only one. And so I, I, I was really glad. I feel like that was one of my great instinctive choices in my life to pick drums. And then, you know, like, so that just led off to, rock music you know and that's now did you and dan were you playing in bands together when you were younger yeah yeah we did we played in a couple of bands in high school and then um as dan was heading off to college uh he was you know two years in front of me we were immediately planning how we were going to get have a band when we were in school oh cool and then i went out to the same school as him just follow following him the whole way wow. <laughs> whole life, you know? <laughs> that's awesome yeah, it was really great, and he was a, he was such a um, always such a supportive brother. He truly was, and uh, we did. We started a band out, and we had a couple bands that we were in over the course of the uh, two years that we overlapped out there, and it was super fun. Uh, really good times. So when you guys were young, you and in Minneapolis, you guys warmed up for guys for bands like Husker Du and and the Replacements. Yeah, yeah. So this was That's this awesome. was when I was a drummer. Yeah, it was it was it was amazing. Um, it there, there, you could really there was really kind of something going on. There was uh, like uh, even though it was just local guys. When we um, my band was called the Panic, okay. and I was a drummer, and our our thing was kind of um just it it was just kind of a thing of the time. But like to play like as fast as you know that we were trying to amaze <laughs> people with how fast we played. You're right. <laughs> it's a, but it wasn't it wasn't like jazz fast. It was like, you know, straight rock fast. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just blazing. Yeah, yeah. So that was the thing. And so um but it was really when we when we warmed up for the replacements at uh Seventh Street, it was the club downtown. And uh that we could tell we really felt like we were in the presence of you know that felt like gods to us you yeah. know it, so we knew that there was something going on I mean, it was just like there was a feeling happening and uh and 
They were really cool. They were really great. Uh, one thing I remember, just a, an odd thing I remember is um, Paul uh, just talking to the rest of his band, and I was kind of overhearing and maybe right. like lo- looking off to the side, you know, <laughs> pretending to be, you know, spinning up something. the drums or something. Yeah. And, he, and he said, you guys want to go get some vittles? And I remember just going, vittles? Who says vittles? You know, it's like, I got to start using that word, vittles. That's so cool. <laughs> That's the secret. You got to use obscure term for food. Yeah. So, <laughs> so was that the first inkling you had of that maybe this was something that you wanted to do for a, a career? Or was that earlier or later? No, I, by, by that point, I already knew that, you know, I wanted to be a drummer. I, okay. I was really kind of thought I'd be like a jazz drummer, or, you know, some kind of cool drummer but i already wanted that you know okay and then so then you went off to harvard yeah and so you majored you studied english so you knew you wanted to be a musician was that your non-music plan just like a fallback yeah it was just i basically number one i wanted to be out there with dan right (laughs) you know and uh and then um music had the least of all the the least requirements of all the courses you could take. I took non-honors English. <laughs> really a sad waste of a fancy education. Uh, so, you, But now you're kind of like the, the Conan O'Brien of music, though. Yeah, I, I, Conan O'Brien was in my class. Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. I have, I didn't, someone said, oh, Matt, Conan says hello, and I didn't even remember him. I just, uh, I wasn't like, because he wasn't, I just wasn't aware of him at the time. As Conan would say, you're not the only one that doesn't remember him. Right, so. right. <laughs> Yeah. You guys uh, continued playing while you were attending Harvard, uh, and that's where you met John Munson and Elaine Harris, right? No, John was waiting back in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. And I, and I had already, um, while Dan and I were playing out there, I had already played in a band Um I took a year off and I played in a band that had John Munson in it. Oh, oh, that E Brown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm and that kidding. was uh, that was pretty eye opening to me. That was a whole new level, you know. And and my uh, I was all that much more serious about being a drummer at that point and kind of going crazy with it. So yeah, so that that, that happened, and then but we met Elaine out in Boston. She was uh, going to school there too. Okay. Um, she answered an ad. We just had put up posters uh, for someone to to play drums. We kind of made it an odd, uh, enticing <laughs> ad. And this was af- this was after Dan had left. Oh, okay. And so I started this band called the Cratchit Family out there. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> it was a very weird band. We had three drummers, and they there was no <laughs> drum set. They all played like these, you know, prescribed parts you know it's just okay. standing up all playing the drums it was, it was pretty pretty heavy it was cool. man did you record any of that stuff yeah and some I, i'd be happy to share it with you some of it is is kind of amazing in its way
now this is one of the coolest things about doing the show to me is hearing about other stuff that not too many people know about, but that you're so enthusiastic about. I love hearing that kind of stuff. It's just, it's like, it's like looking this, looking at listening to this band is like looking like inside, like under a rock and seeing like, you know, like these <laughs> odd bugs from this other world crawling around. You'll, you'll hear, you'll hear what I mean. Oh, I can't wait. All right. So how did you guys end up forming Trip Shakespeare? So then, um, I this weird dropped ad. out of school. Oh, excuse me. So did it have anything to do with this weird ad? Finding Elaine? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, it had, it's just like, uh, you know, I dropped out of school. Elaine had graduated. I convinced her to come back to Minneapolis <laughs> and try to start something up. Wow. Yeah. And she did. She did. Cause she liked, she, she liked this kind of rock music, you know? And, uh, and so then we, um, we tried out a bunch of bass players, uh, most of which were not interested <laughs> at all in what we were doing. But, um, one guy, this guy, uh, John Munson, that I had played with before, right. and I really doubted him because I, I think he was a, a newbie or something when I first played with him, or I, I just, I underestimated him. Anyway, he, he tried out and he was amazing. And, you know, he always, he was amazing and, uh, and so different. And he added this whole dimension and we became a trio. Then we uh, eventually we got a, a percussionist, that guy dropped out. We added Dan and then, you know. So how did you guys, how did you guys come up with the name Trip Shakespeare? What's behind that? Oh, we thought it was really funny. You know? <laughs> we tried a million names. It was just, just some terrible names. Now, I would say, you know, maybe not the strongest naming process that we had. Going on. <laughs> so I heard a rumor and you tell me if this is true or not, that it was originally supposed to be Kirk Shakespeare. I, th I think we, we tried every mix of all that stuff. Yeah, because I loved uh, Star Trek. Oh, who doesn't, man? And I, and I loved uh, um, Shakespeare. So, so those are, that, you know, I, th that was, those were both <laughs> interests of mine. We, had, we were, th we all, we considered, um, oh, I can't, I'm too embarrassed to even say <laughs> the dumb names we Nobody's we listening. Had. It's okay. Oh, really? It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you did the first album, Applehead Man, as a trio then, right? Yep. So then, then Dan, did Dan join after Applehead Man? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We, as we put it out, he he played in the first show as we released it. Okay, okay. And then, and and then the thing, and the thing about that was that dumb. You know, I I had a very, you know, I, I was mainly a uh, drummer, and so I had this very kind of, you know, like twinkly kind of guitar thing that wasn't very thunderous. <laughs> it didn't have a lot of substance to it. Okay. You know? It's interesting, but, um, you know, Dan could really play guitar. And so he, he had this kind of, um, a th thunder to his playing and it just transformed us immediately. And, uh, uh it was, it was like, uh, all of a sudden we had like jet engines, you know, <laughs> under our little, little rig that, you know, this rickety rig that we had. So did you guys all contribute to the songwriting in Trip Shakespeare or was it like, You'd come in with one song, Dan would come in with another. No, it was it was more like the common thread was that I wrote all the words. Okay. And and then um for the most part uh and then Dan and I would write the songs together. Okay. To whatever degree, yeah. Okay, okay. And then you recorded an album with one of my favorite 
album titles ever. Are you Shakespeareanced? That yeah. I love that. That is so awesome. I I read that you recorded that live in the studio without any headsets. Some some of it, yeah. Oh some my. of it. That's yeah. crazy. That's how did, how did that work? I mean that that seems to be. Yeah, well, I mean, it was just like it was just like being in the in the basement. Okay. You know, it's, it's no harder than that. <laughs> wow, man! So you you guys wrote an, an a really cool cool song, and I, I have a question about this. Toolmaster of Brainerd. Yeah. And it's described as a song that insanely links Dairyland folklore with the enduring rock myth of guitar hero supremacy. But I've also heard that there's a link with MST3K, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Do you know about that? And can you tell me a little bit about that? Okay, well... Because I'm I, a huge I, I, MST3K I a, fan. I know. I, 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 I'm not really a huge fan of it, I mean, but I'm quite aware of it. And I've, you know, s- sat through many a show <laughs> of it, you know, and enjoyed it. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not a student of it. You're not a Misty. And no, there's no reference to that in... Toolmaster. I don't think I was aware of them at that time when I wrote that song. Sorry. So, so they must have used it or the uh, some variant of the lyrics. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think that they they were quite aware of us, and we went and visited them one time and stuff like that. So, and but I don't, I I can't honestly say that I knew about them when that song was written. Okay, I think if my memory serves, and I'm a Misty, but I'm not a diehard. That I believe they use a variant of the lyrics in one of their episodes. I'll have to check that out. I don't, I, yeah, I don't remember no, which I, one it was. I know that they were they were like they were very sweet and uh, and I think that they were you know had a soft spot for the, <laughs> the group. So so after that, you guys got signed to A and M, and so yep. this was what like the later eighties. Yeah, like yeah, very, must have been at the very end, maybe eighty nine. Okay, so was or that a 80, something like that? Was that a big change from recording your earlier albums? Did you? Yeah, yeah, got headsets for the studio and all. Yeah, all, <laughs> headsets all around. Huge <laughs> headsets <difference>. for everybody. <laughs> no, it was it was um, it was really really quite a bit different for um. So for that, the first one that we made um, was um across the universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we did that at uh, Paisley Park. Oh wow! You know, and so that was very exciting to to be out there. That's and, uh, amazing. Yeah, Prince was hovering around, I was gonna, you know, I, not not talking to us, <laughs> not not really acknowledging us at all. <laughs> but he was there, and there's kind of a um, there's a like a catwalk around that goes around in the main kind of atrium when you come in, and okay, every once in a while we'd see Prince kind of like literally like dancing out of a door in the catwalk and like making his way down to some office also on the catwalk in a like a coral colored one piece 
you know, swirly bell bottom, you know, like <laughs> shiny silk thing. Looking amazing. And like fully made up to like completely done up every single day. I can see that's how I imagine he did everything completely in that like purple full length coat that he had and dancing everywhere. I imagine that's yeah, how he did well, everything. The, the, yeah, the dancing everywhere was literally kind of a thing. He, he, that was that was true. That's amazing. And yeah. so the label was really behind you guys. I heard that the uh, the president of the label was going to your gigs. Um, I don't. I yeah. Well, we you know we we talked with him and stuff like that. I think he came to at least one. That's Probably, awesome. Uh, I think I think it was maybe it was Al Cafaro. I can't remember all the names, but. But yeah, that's there was pretty a, amazing. There was a, it was amazing. There was a heady time. We had, we made those two records, that Apple Headman and Are You Shakespeareanced, and we you know we really wanted to, we wanted to like be big. We wanted to, everyone to see us. You know, right, so that right. was definitely no, um, you know, we were ambitious, and but it wasn't working. Like we weren't getting attention, and these um, a couple of. Uh, like a businessman and a lawyer uh, came to us and they said they could um, bring, they could get all the label people into the same room at the same time, maybe multiple times. And then, then we would get signed. Okay. And at that point it, um, there was kind of no downside for us. It, it would, you know, it cost us like a percentage of something that we, you know, would probably never have. Right, yeah. Anyway, so we said yes, and um, we said okay, let's let's do it. And then these guys did it. They wow, they got a, a whole bunch of um, label people to CBGVs. Oh, there you go. And, and it was you, you, we had the night of our lives. We were we were so pumped up. Oh, I can and, imagine. Uh, yeah, and we we just you know we totally killed it. Like you know, just sweating <laughs> after the show, and <laughs> just thrilled. And so that went really well. And then. We had a show like that in Minneapolis too that had a slightly different cast of um, label people. But you know, there okay. were it's, there's not that many of them, and they all know what's going on, and they all talk among each other. And then I think we had one other gig like that where also it was all prearranged to kind of get these people all in the same room at the same time. And so then the jealousy of between them, you know, and the other competition it works to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. And so we got signed, and um, when we <laughs> When we got signed, um, we went with A&M. We had a couple choices that were basically the same exact thing. Okay. And uh, when A&M, when we got our contracts from them, they all, all of the blanks where the band name was supposed to be in there, they all said Soundgarden. And so like that, was, they had just copied and, you know, pasted like, <laughs> they must have signed Soundgarden like a week before or something. That's Awesome. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite Soundgarden albums is Louder Than Love off uh, their, a their first A&M release. So that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> they didn't bother giving you original, original contracts. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, you, you signed with A&M and uh, Across the Universe got really great reviews, but you guys weren't that happy with it? The king decreed that all the various prince 
should try to get inside her pants. So along came a saint called Dandy. He was six and a half feet tall. He said, <clears throat> Well, <clears throat> it, you know, I, I wasn't very happy with it at the time, but now I love it. And so I, I know that I was just, um, you know, so it's like if someone takes a picture of you and you look at it right away and you're like, no, that's not what I want, how I want to look, and, you know, and then later on, if you look at it, you know, 10 years from then, you're like, oh, it's great. It's like, I look fine. You know, it's like, it's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we had built up our, and I, I don't know, it, it, it um, and now I love it. I think it's great. But at the time I was very frustrated with it. I just wasn't kind of ready to to just enjoy myself. I think how I really was that I, you know, I yeah. was I'm, I'm, so I was a little imbalanced in that way. But it it was fine. Um, I think then you know the next one was Lulu mm-hmm. that we did, and Lulu has kind of this um, dynamic enormity to it. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's it's yeah, a little the, bit, yeah. That um, across the universe is is lovely, but it it feels a little bit like a um, you know like a music box that you open and it's you know it's 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 not it doesn't rock out really that much. It's, right. it's kind of got a um, it's kind of got a controlled studio thing to it. Okay, which and it's great. There's a lot about it that I just completely love, but then. You know, I I saw the band as this kind of wild rock experience, and I think we got it more on the next one. They both both the records have a good thing, but Lulu has more of the like kind of full range of the band, the swell. Back down to the work again. There's no place for a living man. I ride around on the ice cream bicycle, dream circle in my head. Once over the park again, I sing, Grandpa, do you well? Wait for day to be night again. Ring that foolish bell, your mouth is my apartment in the evening. I sleep. Was the, was the band a little heavier live? With it? Yeah. 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 It was, it, I mean, it. it we we went from very very light mm-hmm. and very kind of whispery to very I would say pretty heavy you know okay thundery. Did you guys we had that. Did you, were you guys on the road a lot for 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 across the universe and Lulu? Did you were you yeah. extensive tours? Yeah, yeah. And w- one thing about us, I think that um, you know we didn't really have big amps and um, kick ass gear um, when we were starting out on our first major for that first major label thing and so i think that we had only been seen maybe as like more of a of a a kind of miniaturized twinkly kind of thing than we really were at heart yeah and then after we made that first record the the label bought us amps and stuff like that and all of a sudden we had marshall amps instead of pv crap (laughs) (laughs) we were were like why didn't we do this you know 10 years ago what what is wrong with us Because all of a sudden we understood like the, you know, the world of, you know, enormity and stuff like that. And so then we were crushing in this, this, this little twingly band that we had been all of a sudden, you know, was a lot uh, heavier and it kind of came into our true selves, our, our fantasy of what we thought we were. 
Uh, and that was what the, the later eighties, early nineties. Early nineties, yeah. Okay. That, we, you know, we when we were like kind of coming into our own, really, and that was when we made Lulu. And that's and then that's that's when Nirvana kind of changed everything. Yes, yeah. Did that have yeah. a, have an effect on on the band? I mean, because the sound isn't you know it's definitely it's it's an alternative sound, but it's it's not as heavy at least not the the studio album not as like a Nirvana. True. Yeah, it did. I think it really did. I mean, it was amazing what Nirvana kind of did in a way. They were like a neutron bomb. Yeah. Kind of flattened the you know the the countryside. You yeah. Know, all the all the heavy metal bands were just decimated they oh, were just yeah. like they, it's like there's all of their theories were suddenly disproven yeah exactly i mean that when they came out i was big i was a big metal guy i was big into megadeth and old yeah, i guess metallica at the time and 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 that that was my thing i was big into heavy and i'd never really got that big into nirvana i was i i love mother love bone and i went the pearl jam route up until their third album then they lost mm-hmm. me but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just instead of with all the metal bands, it was just who could play faster and faster and faster and faster and more technical, and then they just right. they just went the exact opposite. You know, every the you know it's punk. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and they went just raw, and they yeah. they prove you could you can play slow and still be great. Yeah, yeah, so, they were yeah, and so I th- I think in a way, um, everyone was affected by it them for sure and we were quite aware of them and you know we felt um in a way less relevant all of a sudden or you know like we were kind of not that we ever were relevant but we felt like maybe we were starting to like prove ourselves or that maybe our time was about to come and then all of a sudden everything shifted in that direction um and it's a shame grungy direction yeah and it's a shame because that sound the sound of of trip shakespeare kind of a few years later started to come back you know, with with bands like you know Crash Test Dummies and Semisonic, you know, to be honest, you know, it's yeah, it's you just unfortunately, I think the thing the timing was just off with that. It was it was yeah. it's such a shame. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, it's like it was it was still all very you know beautiful. Oh in its yeah, way, you know, and the music is great. I love it. But so Lulu was the last album for for uh, Trip Shakespeare, and. You know, is that when you you started playing with um uh with the uh, the flops also known as the Twilight? Kinda, yeah, like uh, there was a gap there where I made my own record while kind of Semisonic was um, flying up into the sun. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was I made um, a record called Burnt White and Blue. Okay, yeah, and and that was kind of uh, then. That was, you know, a labor of love, and it took a long time to make that record. But that's kind of that was me drumming, you know. So I was getting back to, you know, like this was my chance to kind of say how drumming should be, and mm-hmm. you know, and how I felt like songs could be, you know, like it was just kind of my chance to like do your uh, thing. Lay, yeah, yeah. Lay lay down my my idea of how things could be. Right, and and. You know, you instead of just doing words, you had the chance to, to write the music and then lay it down exactly how you want it. Yeah.
to seem like an artist with a dream, but you know you only need to bleed it down. So, uh... Let's see. So you've also contributed to some of the some of Semisonic stuff, uh, like all about chemistry, um, and you've you've joined them on stage. Um, and then, let's see, was it uh, two thousand three? Trip Shakespeare reunited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, we've had a, a couple of shows where we got back together here and there. That must be fun. That must be great to to no. know, revisit all that. It is. It's it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, absolutely. I, I wish, um, I know that John and I, uh, especially John, it just wants to just, he wants to tour. He wants to get a tour oh. of Trip Shakespeare. And, uh, wow. you know, I would love to do that too. And I think that uh, we could get Elaine to do it as oh, well. That'd be cool. That'd yeah, be awesome. So then at what point did you decide to form uh, Matt Wilson and his orchestra? Well, um, so, in the, then there's more years went by um, in which I was um, I had a group called the Twilight Hours. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And that was me and John Munson, bass player. You know, from all the way back when we were 19. You know, we played in E Brown, and then we did that for I don't know, maybe at least 10 years. I'd say something like that, okay. and made a couple records. John always kind of wanted to, wanted to keep rocking. He wanted to rock harder, and um, you can hear my voice. It's uh, it's kind of gentle and cloudy yeah. a little bit. You know, yeah. that's my the sound of my voice. And um, so it's it's I, I can't really you know cut through um, electric guitars that well. And so I've just I had been kind of aching to to go in a different direction than John. John wanted the Twilight Hours to be his rock band. Yeah. So we kind of uh, parted ways there because I wanted to um, be have you know be competing with my voice with more acoustic instruments where my cloudy voice could come through with you know some bass on the bottom and some twinkling on top and my cloudy mid range thing in the middle. Right, and and not totally destroy your voice trying to compete with the electric guitars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very much, very much. So that the band. All right, so the band is you. Uh, Quillen Rowe of the Rowe Family Singers, uh, Jacques Waite, and I don't I'm I'm gonna know I'm gonna butcher it. Is it Fela Tracy or Fala? Yeah, Fela. Fela. All right, I got it right the first time. Yeah, awesome. So Rose can call her Faye. So <laughs> I'll stick with Fela for now until <laughs> she's a guest on the show. But yep. yep. <laughs> so how did you That's... how did you guys all get together and form the orchestra? Well, you know, in a way, um, John Munson um, is. He's a great guy, and he's also um, kind of a, a a hub. He's a gatherer. You know, people gather around him. He brings people together. Okay. Every uh, holiday season, you know, he has a, a big show where he brings in people from all different parts of the music community oh, cool. in Minneapolis and, um, you know, has a giant show. And so um, 
he also likes uh, the woods. And so he has um, also like kind of does another <laughs> gathering in the summertime way up in Ely, Minnesota, like right up on the edge of Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's at this campground. And uh, so every year he does that. And he, one time he finally like got me to come up there because I was, you know, I'm not an outdoorsy guy. Okay. But I liked it. I loved it. And um, one uh, group that I saw that I had seen before, but it was so long ago, was the Rowe Family Singers. And um, th- those guys have just such an amazing groove. And it's there's no drums, but it's, it's just uh, Quillen is just a kind of a machine, a, um, a rhythm, real rhythm is. And uh, as a drummer, you know, I heard that and I was like, okay. (laughs) I just noted it. You know, I wasn't like uh, trying to form a band by any means. I wasn't thinking that way. And then on that same time out there, I I saw Fela who I'd um, actually collaborated with a little bit one other time, but I saw her playing and I was like, Oh, that sounds so beautiful. You know, like, and I I just, I was just noting, noting these things. And then just over time, um, when I got back to Minneapolis, I started thinking of a group that could maybe just, maybe we would just play my songs, my like, you know, my historical canon plus, you know, some of my favorite covers. Maybe okay. that would be like a thing that, that I could do, you know, just, just to kind of like, Hey, play my songs, you know, in a, in a, in a low key setting that I can sing through. That'd be nice. Yeah, and so we uh, we got together for um, a rehearsal and uh, recorded it. And I uh, remember listening to it on the way home and just thinking, wow, this is so sunshiny. And um, it's just kind of – and there's a sound there, right there. That was just, a, you know, that, that, that group of people. We had a sound. And then the next time we got together, we did a little bit of singing. And I was really uh, – I'm really delighted to hear that we had a totally had a sound going there too. You know, the, those three of us. Meanwhile, I, and, and then part of the group as well is a guy who's in the Twilight Hours, the lead guitar player in the Twilight Hours, Jacques Waite. And um, John Munson had once told me that his favorite version of this kind of solo band that I had had was when Jacques had to jump in on bass. Oh, okay. And so that stuck in my head as well. And so <laughs> I asked Jacques to uh, sit in with this group and it, it just had a sound. And so we went with it. And then after a while, I was so excited about it. I, I couldn't help but doing what I always do, which is start bringing in songs, you know. That's songs. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, what I love about it is that the harp adds a completely different dimension that you know, obviously you don't hear every day. Yeah. Is it difficult to write music with with the no, addition of a harp? Not not in the least. Um, harps are um, you know amazingly uh, versatile in their way. They go down super low, really low, and they go up really high. You know, they're just they're you can just kind of do anything. Or Fela makes it seem like you can do anything. On yeah. so <laughs> I think I fall into this trap a lot. And a lot of other people do too, where they're just like, oh, harp is really cool. You know, and it's like, well, actually it's Vela.
breath and life And there's no one on the floor at night Now my world rising in my throat You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> she makes it sound cool because there's a, it's just like <clears throat> guitar. It's like, if a great guitar player, you know, was the first person you ever listened to playing guitar, you'd be like, guitar is really cool yeah. <laughs> but if it's some shitty guy you know some shitty guitar player then you're like oh my god this is horrible you know, like, why does anybody do I, this yeah <laughs> yeah so it's fail but anyway so yeah it's a it no there's nothing hard about it at all and it just makes everything sound beautiful and she's and she is a natural arranger and she's a true musician she's one of those people where other musicians like me um feel insecure around her because we know that we're not real musicians and <laughs> she's the real deal you know she, she thinks that way she's wow she's the whole matrix you know like oh. everything so you started this in what 2015 is that you wrote the first song i can't <clears throat> i can't return in, in 2015 right that, and that was before the before the orchestra started and the okay. orchestra is is like a year and not even a year and a half old. Right okay, because I was, I was reading a, a quote from you that said that you wrote that song in 2015, and that was kind of your return to songwriting, and it, yeah. things just started to pour out of you for like three years. Yeah. So, yeah. It, so you you weren't writing anything at that point, or before that um, point, then? Yeah, I had um. The, so, the Twilight Hours were making our second right. record. Yeah. And I became really obsessed with producing it, and. Sometimes I have trouble um, multitasking. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and so, if when when I'm in kind of production mode, uh, my writing kind of shuts down a little bit. You know, oh, like, okay. Um, sometimes, you know, to a certain degree. Okay, and you start writing all these songs, and uh, you got let's see, the album was recorded in your home studio, but yep. mixed. But it was mixed by John Fields, right? Who did? Right. He, he's worked with Soul Asylum, Miley Cyrus, Jonas Brothers, Switchfoot. I'm I'm just reading off the credits here. Rooney. Right. So, uh, that that's a pretty impressive list. Is is, and th this is my complete ignorance of how this whole process works. So so you record it at your home studio. You produce it. So what is what is the mixer doing? What is John adding to the process? <laughs> Oh, um, okay, yeah. So, you know, it's, I, I record it. And then at that point, like I've got this bundle of sticks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I shove it over into, you know, him <laughs> and then he has to build something out of it. Okay. That, that's, I can, I can totally get that analogy then. <laughs> yeah. So when he's working on that, um, what kind of input are you giving him? I mean, you have this, the sound in your head already, or is he giving you, you things you know, and you're like, I like this one. Yeah, really. Um, you know, you know, like what I would give to him, you know, you put it up and it would sound like a song, you know, it'd be, it'd be like, you know, it would, it would sound like something, but I would give it to him and just let him go crazy on it. And that's awesome. And then, and and he would return with something, and it, it would be ninety percent there every time. Wow. You know, really, like yeah, it, it, like it was never never something where I'd be like, okay, that's you know, you you're in one eighty wrong direction. It's always it was always right. 
That's anyway, fantastic. And so then I would just like say maybe a little more verb on that, a little less verb on this part, add some rain to the end, you know, like just like little ideas like that. But his just his instinct, you know, I, I wouldn't want to, I didn't want to screw with it very much because he's just, you know, he's smart and and thoughtful and and attentive. And he's got a pretty good track record. Yeah, so kind of knows knows what he's doing. So yeah, but you know what? I don't even care about his track record. It's really just it's his ears. You know, it's like it, it's just every time he came up, it's like it was just right. You know, like that's that's fantastic. Well, that to me that means that he. Whenever you met with him, spoke with him, he was listening and he knew what you were looking for. So that's yeah, that's fantastic. I was listening to the album again today, and I got I got to tell you that I love. There's certain I like the album. I the album's great. But there's certain songs that really stand out to me, and uh, the first one is "Decent Guy." That is such a great track. I love that. But come to nothing. Thank you. I agree. That that's one of my faves. Too. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I was listening to that. And like, man. Did, I can completely relate to this track. I really like it. And uh, Come to Nothing, which is, uh, I think, the latest single off of it. Yep. That's such a sweet and beautiful track. I, I love that song. Thank you. Come to nothing. The whole album has got this great, like, it's kind of folky, but more than like a storytelling tradition of folk, not like the, uh, not Americana, not mm. protesty folk. It's, it's fun. It's storytelling. That's what makes the album stand out to me, uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, any other of the, the, of the quieter albums that I've heard recently, you know, even like guys like Tom Morello putting out his folk stuff, you know, that's all protesty folk. That's angry folk. I don't always want mm. that. I like, I like what you're doing with this. It's just, you know, it's, it's not angry stuff. It's, it's, you've got some great harmonies. Like, uh, it rem the harmonies, um, Petty Thief, the song Petty Thief, that mm -hmm. re they re remind me of like Beach Boys, Mama and Papa's kind of harmonies. And it brings back a, a lightheartedness in, in music that I think has kind of been hidden for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, um, it's, um, I just, I think of it as songs. Um, like, uh, I feel like what I'm trying to um, uncover is just uh, songs with, uh, like, melodious chords, you know? Like, I mean, just, like, I, I, it's difficult to, to say, but I mean, it's songs that you could um, play at the piano, that your grandma could play at the piano and and sing the melody yeah. and understand it. Or that someone could show up at a campfire with a guitar and, you know, like a yeah. song, like that, where it just kind of the song can like get up and stand on its own feet and walk because it's a real song has that sort of thing. It's not a groove. Um, it's it's not built around like a, a a loop. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's a song. And so I don't I, I don't know. It might be. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm communicating very well, but that's that's kind of the my vision in a way or whatever. Um, th that's what I am trying to uncover. It's it's they're catchy. They're you know they're not super 
complex sounding. I mean, I, I don't know the songwriting process or mm-hmm. mixing or producing any of that, but they sound like just good, catchy songs like, you know, Beach Boys, Mamas and Papas stuff. You know, that stuff, it's stuff yeah. that sticks in your head. And, and But your whole career's been kind of like that. I mean, even Trip Shakespeare, except for that band where you were playing as fast as you can. You yeah. Know, everything yeah. else has been kind of, kind of, you know, good songwriting that tells a story. And that's, that's what I love about The it. band when I was playing super fast, that was, that was like me, like pecking on the inside of my egg to get out of my egg. <laughs> and then the rest has been, you know, like taking flight and stuff. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. So do you guys have any, uh, any plans to tour to support the album? Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. We, um, we've been playing a lot of, a lot of shows recently, <laughs> ruined my voice in a church where uh, the whole band is flew, you know, every oh, kind no. of, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, we've been playing a lot of shows, you know, we've, and, um, and, and getting better because of it. And so we're going to just always kind of keep playing as many shows as we can. Sometimes it's hard for us to, um, book shows. Um, Quillen plays a lot of shows with, uh, the Roe family singers. And oh yeah, I'm sure. So the only thing that stops us, we all want to do it as much as we can. is just, uh, getting our schedules together. Now, in this band, are you playing drums or are you playing guitar? Oh, guitar and piano. Okay, so there's no drums in this, really. No, no drums. So was that a, a, a conscious uh, progression? Yeah. As a drummer, you decided not to have any drums in your band. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's it's better for my voice, I think. I think, you know, it's, it's funny because um, I feel like it – it's easier for me to communicate for some reason. I've, I, these, these shows, um, you know, that we've been having, I just, it's, I get that sense of, um, of reaching people Okay. that, you know, then I feel like it's been a while since I've been kind of reaching people, but now it's kind of a consistent thing. And I feel like part of it is to, it's peeling away all that kind of, you know, guitar. I love how guitar sounds and stuff like that, but, it's maybe not the best for the kind of music that I'm trying to play. And, um, so it sounds like you're trying to be more intimate. Yeah. And communicate better. And, uh, I want people to hear the detail in my voice and to to definitely to hear the lyrics, you know, like these, these things that I craft so carefully. Um, I, I feel like it's important to get those things across and sometimes they can't get across when there's a whole lot of, wailing and howling you know guitars and stuff like that or drums yeah, or drums for sure like i had just mentioned you know your entire career has been about fantastic songwriting the you know very interesting storytelling lyrics and it's just it's been a blast to go back and revisit some of the trip shakespeare stuff and listen to the new album which i you know highly recommend to anybody it's 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 so different from a lot of what's out there because it's more of an intimate sounding album and it's not loud it's not bombastic it's you know it's it's got a it's quiet and and beautiful and and a very very wonderful change of pace to what's normally in my rotation <laughs> where can people find the album how do they how do they follow the band how can they follow you and and the album the album will probably be released around March the time 20th. this comes out. All right, so it's yeah, not yeah. March 20th. Oh my god, some bug just flew in my face. How can people uh, buy it? How can they uh, 
follow you guys on social media and see where you're playing. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, my website is called MinneapolisMatt.com. Okay. That's where you can find me. There's a couple other Matt Wilsons out there. They won't cease and desist. <laughs> being How Matt dare Wilson. they? Yeah, I know. What? But um, yeah, so I, my, my site is called, I know, you said it. I did. My, so my site is called MinneapolisMatt.com. Okay. And that's got everything that'll have, like every every single way it'll have. There's, you can also look at videos um, that our band has done and they're um, Minneapolis Matt on um, YouTube. Okay, okay. And then uh, the website will have the links to all the social media accounts, the yeah, Instagram. Yeah, all that stuff. Yep. All that stuff. Awesome, awesome. Well, man, look, I really appreciate you spending so much time with me. It's been a blast talking with you. I'm dying to hear that three drum stuff. And uh, Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. All right. So make sure, like, just text me. Keep bothering me. I mean, I, I'll get it for you. I will. I'm going to text you as soon as we're done here. And uh, awesome. I'm, I'm going to keep track of the uh, the touring schedule because if you – I don't know if you have any plans to come out east, but if you play anywhere in, near D.C., I'm there. I got to – I'm dying to see this show. I want to hear that harp live. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, she uh, She delivers live. She's for real. That's amazing. I've, well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you spending so much time with me and, and talking about your career and ex- explaining the process of creating this beautiful new album. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.